You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Your favorite program, Medical Files. And alhamdulillah, this evening, we have uh, bioconeticist uh, Ibrahim Amir joining us. That's after many moons. Uh, Ibrahim, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And with the listeners, I greet you with a hearty. Let me do it again with a hearty. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Dr. Ibrahim, how are you doing this fine, a beautiful evening? Alhamdulillah, I'm well, and you, Akashifat. The grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, alhamdulillah, and, you know, going through this uh, different motions and, you know, having a quite a hectic week, you know, uh, through what went through your young mind, uh, Ibrahim, you know, having uh, two young kids and, uh, you know, the looting and uh, communities uh, taking up arms and defending themselves. What went through your mind, Ibrahim? um quite a bit actually uh it, it was a bit it was a bit startling the unrest uh, a lot of it was uncalled for a lot of it was criminality that we saw and then you obviously start questioning what's next for for durban what's next for kwazulu natal uh and then the thought of moving out of the country packing your bags and leaving it comes into your mind but then you're left with do we move? Do we stay? And I think, inshallah, if it settles, uh, it will be a lot better. But uh, everyone's stressed out. Uh, it was hectic to the point where I actually missed uh, the shows with you because I was so busy uh, looking after the family and taking care of things. Uh, so, alhamdulillah, I'm glad that everything has settled now and it's a lot more open. And inshallah, it stays that way. Yeah, quite understandable, as you said. You know, it was a hectic week, and uh, I've uh, I interviewed uh, an immigration uh, attorney, and he's given us mm-hmm. so much of uh, different uh, opinions. I, I think I'm gonna send you the podcast. And one of the things he said, please do. Yeah, he said uh, Shafaat. Uh, you know, the one of the best countries to ever live in is uh, South Africa, and he says there is, uh, yes. uh, especially in the medical uh, profession, the entire team. Is leaving the country, you know, from the receptionist and right to the specialist mm-hmm. and all those, you know, they 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 work as a team or as, uh, you know, as, as someone that are in contact with each other and they have their own, uh, uh, no click, as you call it. Yes. And the, the, the whole click is leaving together and going overseas. So, uh, yeah, that's how they are doing it. They're doing it with a team and the team mm-hmm. moves from a receptionist right to the head of uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, of, of the fraternity. Well, I tell you, listeners, if you're in need of a biokineticist, there's your consultation. I tell you, Ibrahim, we had adver- advertised the show uh, for quite some time. And before, you know, our guest comes on, we advertise it and we do get questions. So in your case, Alhamdulillah, lots of questions has come through. And yes. just to refresh the memories of those listeners, who do not know what a biokineticist is, uh, just explain that to them, Ibrahim. Um, basically, a biokineticist is uh, a medical practitioner that will assist and aid uh, certain conditions or ailments or orthopedic injuries, uh, post-surgeries, uh, stuff like that, with the use of scientific prescription of exercise. Uh, so we believe in the fact that exercise is medicine, and we use your body through movement and through stretching and strengthening particular muscle groups and particular areas to get you back to full functioning or get you back to doing your activities of daily life uh, with no issues. So in a nutshell, uh, a biokineticist will, will basically work on your, on your rehabilitation to get you back to your full fitness. No, Ibrahim, you make a good point there, and you talk about exercise, and the very fact that you're in motion, that is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because that's exercise alone, I mean, you're moving, you're walking, you're using your hands, you're using your thumbs, even your eyes, you know, when it goes, uh, blinks, that's an exercise for the eye, and uh, so forth, I mean, your toes, and, uh, you know, you're wriggling Mm -hmm. your toes, and in your case, you have two, mashallah, beautiful kids, Uh, you're watching them, you know, uh, maybe they've gone past the uh, walking ring phase, and, you know, they're crawling and all that, you know, what joy parents get just watching kids being mobile, talk to us about that, you know, and you say, hey, right, let's see how's he moving, and his legs are okay, he's not bandy legs and this and that. As a biokineticist, uh, you know, what do you look in when you look at young kids? What so, are some of the uh, things you look into? So this is a, a really good question because I always try and make uh, people understand the fact that 
the amount of things that we see in a day. For example, I have two kids of my own, uh, which Alhamdulillah are normal, but we also see kids who are not normal and to split yourself between your children and seeing your patients and giving them your all, it's psychologically taxing. And at the same time, it's so rewarding to see the gains in these kids as well, to see them progressing, to see them taking their first steps. Uh, the joy that you feel as a parent and as a practitioner, it merges and it's, it's something that, that keeps me going back to work. Um, so, Looking at my children, I'm also critical, but at the same time, I've seen so much, uh, so many injuries that were sort of uh, in depth that you appreciate the finer things in life, like you're saying, crawling and walking and running and jumping. Uh, these are things that people, in to put you into perspective, a child would put in maybe a year or two of rehab just to see a small step or see a jump or see a leg lift. So there's a lot that happens and uh, the joys and the, the tears that I felt along with it, it's it's rewarding. It's I can never ever tell you that it's it's not rewarding. Alhamdulillah, it's it the profession chose us and we try and give it our best. Well we answered there, you know, when you look uh at ourselves, when we were growing up, I think most of us were self-taught. And, you know, when we had the squash ball in our hands and we used to press it, yes. it was, oh, it's very good for your risk and uh, so forth. Then you had the tennis ball, you bounced it, and G- the hand-eye uh, hand coordination, hitting the ball against the wall, coming back to you, table mm-hmm. tennis and tennis quiet and so forth. You know, all yes. these ball games, how important are they for hand and eye coordination you know, we're leaving all these uh, modern uh, things uh, out, you know, talking about the PlayStation or the Xbox. Yes. But uh, let, let's talk about really physically getting involved with the ball, uh, ball you know, uh, Ibrahim. Yes. So I encourage kids as well. So if you, if you have kids from a young age to start playing with balls and sort of free play because it helps with hand-eye coordination and fine motor skills. A lot of the research has shown that certain movements, sort of like army crawls and stuff, they actually have a discipline called kinderkinetics, which works with children uh, particularly, and it sort of helps uh, skills needed for activities of daily living. So they found that sort of duck walking, army crawls and stuff help kids with handwriting helps them with fine motor coordination, uh, holding a scissor in hand, cutting a piece of paper. It it all adds up and sort of builds to the, child, the child's foundation and it well rounds the, the, the kid growing up. So you don't only focus on academics, but you have a bit of the physical aspects also coming into play. So yes, working with the ball, hand-eye coordination helps. It helps elderly as well in old age with the proprioception and balance. It allows you to decrease your fall risk uh, there's endless benefits to it. It's one of your components of fitness and it's a very, very important component of fitness. If, obviously, if you neglect it, you set yourself up for a full uh, risk category that may be higher at a late, later stage in your life. So at any age, uh, balance and coordination work must be considered. That sounds uh, beautiful indeed. Uh, kinder kinetics are like that. Uh, something like an Afrikaans, Kinder or German, Kinder. Correct. It, it actually stems, I think, from an African or German root. Yeah, we know stuff there. You too, Ibrahim. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah. You know, uh, talking about the ball games, you know, I had uh, loved my table tennis. I loved the squash. Uh, also loved uh, playing a lot of... Uh, uh, cricket, uh, played uh, tennis, and all these games, you know, um, I, I've been through, uh, you know, I mean, now in uh, each half of my life, and I still have that burning desire, you won't believe it, Ibrahim, to kick a ball. So the other day I was at a uh, uh, at a shopping mall, and, uh, you know, I yes. went to the, the, the game store, they call it, and yeah. involuntarily, I looked at it and I said, hey, there's it, that's the thing I want, and I bought an expensive soccer ball. And I came home and I threw it up into the sky and I held it. Yes. I went against the water and started kicking it. And you know what? Yes. I kicked it like when I was 12 years old and I felt nothing. I really enjoyed it. And I just said, hey, yes. I wish I had some, uh, some lighties to come and kick the ball with me or play soccer. You know, no, I'm listening to you. You, you. You'd never believe me, but I promise you uh, two weeks back, I also did the same thing. I went over to a store and I bought a soccer ball again. And brought it back home. And today, I was telling my brother in the morning, we should go to the field and we should play around. So wow. I can relate to what you're saying. I know when you get that feeling, you really would want to do something. 
I encourage people to do it. When you get that feeling, go out and do it and you'll feel the reward. Now, I'm going to share something else with you. I was a, you know, I used to do a lot, a lot of running at that time. We had the old airport and a few groups, uh, you know, a few of my friends used to get into a group and we still run to the airport, uh, you yeah. know, buy our ice cream, sit down and watch the planes take off and land. That was early yeah. in the morning. And then we would come back running. But at a very, it was about eight kilometers from home to airport. Okay. But, but we ran at a good speed. And we enjoyed that. Then we went to the soccer fields. We played our soccer. And uh, you know, we were really blessed in, 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 in the, the types of sports we could play. But, yes. uh, you know, uh, people say, okay, your knees give up and things give up. But uh, if you look after yourself, is there a chance of you not getting injured? Because, you know, uh, people like my yeah. age will say, oh, my knee is giving up. My hip is giving up. Uh, but, uh, you know, Allah Alam, uh, we've kept it. I mean, yes. we did all the strenuous exercises, but are there, you know, certain individuals that do not succumb to uh, injuries, uh, Ibrahim? Uh, definitely. Um, so there are individuals that don't succumb to injury, obviously, because they have been nurturing, so to say, the body along the years uh, by paying attention to particular uh, things. So certain aspects like obviously your footwear the surface that you run on, uh, the surface that you're playing on, the equipment that you're using, uh, the amount of hydration uh, you have, uh, all these things make a difference. So uh, a lot of the time, if you do strengthening along the way, and if you have previous injuries and you rehabilitate those injuries, you have a, a, a slim chance of developing chronic conditions. So your body is sort of maintained along its way. Uh, it's sort of like a car. You can't drive your car continuously with not having to service it. So the body works more or less the same. you got to keep your joints moving. you got to keep the joints strong and supported. So that's what rehabilitation will do for individuals and keep them injury-free. Yeah, and I think another secret here, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm really enjoying this conversation with you. It's like, you know, so easy going yeah. and mashallah, you know, we feel like one family and people don't know we have a lovely relationship, you and I, with your family members, Fatima also, uh, you know, uh, when, when you go and, you know, you, you massage your hands or you use these uh, mm -hmm. karishma balms and so forth, but yes. you take care of yourself. And as I said, the footwear. You wear the yes. right footwear. You know, people talk about sketches now. Hey, that's the in thing. But, you know, really yeah. wearing these types of footwear, uh, you, you you feel the difference. I mean, you put a, a different type of shoe on. You can feel, Definitely. oh, maybe you, you you get a pain in your sole or so, so, uh, so forth. Yeah. But when you use the right shoes and you use the right equipment, yes. and if you mas massage yourself properly at uh, certain points and you look after your body, I think yeah. your your body will be in ship shape. It's just like how when you service car, your body needs a servicing, Ibrahim. Correct, correct, correct. Um, so I think exercise should become a part of everyone's life. Uh, people should start moving. It's, it's just a matter of getting out for about 15 minutes. So remember the American College of Sports Medicine, the world recommendation for exercise is basically 150 minutes per week which doesn't amount to a lot if you look at it per day. It's about 15 to 20 minutes per day, and you just need to do light exercise, and you should keep yourself going. Uh, remember, there's benefits beyond the physical aspect where people think that you would do exercise and only lose weight. There are other benefits, like you could get psychological benefits with an endorphin release. You can feel good, so you can fight depression and anxiety, uh, help you with insomnia, uh, help you with uh, restlessness. There's a lot of benefits to exercise. Um, as you were saying with regards to putting on uh, balms and stuff like that, uh, these things also work. Gels and rubs usually help uh, acute injuries, but the chronic stuff, I think you want to try and avoid using too much of the gels and balms because prolonged use could weaken your muscle over time. So just go cut back a little bit on those. I like your, you know, you, you said the benefits are beyond uh, physical efforts. Uh, then I look at these sportsmen, you know, uh, you look at these rugby players, massive people, you know, hey, they push each other to the hilt and you can see the bloodied face, but they're still they're physically yeah. there. But, uh, you know, we notice that uh, sports, uh, most sportsmen now are being, uh, you know, also groomed by psychologists. What is the reason of bringing psychologists in into the brain, you know, or these brawn bodies, you know, these physically powerful bodies 
but they're still, yes. you know, they need to strengthen their mental minds. Talk to us about that, uh, Ibrahim. Correct. So remember uh, the events that uh, professional athletes participate in. Uh, there's enormous crowds. Firstly, there's distraction cues. There's a lot of stuff going on around the athlete that uh, the athlete is susceptible to being distracted or actually not performing at their peak. So a psychologist then will come in to obviously address existi- uh, existing issues or conditions that they may have, or they could sort of teach them techniques to deal with those situations. So one particular technique is is something that we actually covered, uh, I covered in my studies, was imagery. So mental imagery is basically where you use your five senses, you picture a, an event or a race day, and you use the, your five senses to sort of get yourself into the moment and picture what's happening around you, hear the crowd, smell the, the air, uh, sort of get a feel for what's going to happen on the day. So when the day does happen, you're sort of uh, a little bit more prepared mentally and you can deal. That's how uh, an athlete can take off from a starting block with a gunshot and not flinch, if that makes any sense. It uh, does make sense. Uh, and, you know, as I told you on uh, previous occasions, that uh, I had this very close relationship with uh, Hashim Amla. And, yes. I, uh, you know, for him, I don't think he needed a psychologist to come and yes. put his, uh, he had the spirituality, he was uh, focused, uh, you know, all those, um, Islam came first, he, he drank water, sunnah, style, etc. And uh, would you say for a Muslim, uh, you know, when they do this physical exercise, a salatu also it may be a, a great help, uh, but, uh, you know, psychologically, most Muslims, are in a prime yes. condition. How would you react to that, uh, Ibrahim? I agree with you uh, because remember, salah definitely requires an individual to be engaging postures that would get them into four point kneeling onto the ground. So, Alhamdulillah, if you are reading salah standing, it means you have the mobility to go down onto the floor and come back up. That's quite an achievement for today's standards because a lot of the individuals you I meet in my consults uh, tell me that they haven't been on the floor for the past maybe six, seven months, some of them years. So that in itself uh, is an achievement. So Salah plays a part as well as for going back onto your psychological point, uh, Quran recitation also helps to lower your stress levels. So mm-hmm. it's just the same as the English say singing helps to decrease your stress. So Quran recitation does the same. So it, I feel whatever works for an individual, alhamdulillah, go with it and they should succeed. I tell you, absolutely brilliant. And the Quran, you know, when you are reading or making tilaw of the noble Quran, you're having this conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And physically, uh, you also feel that uh, your psychological impact on, on your physicality, because the whole mind and your whole aura is made because we are a, a spiritual being having a physical experience. So it's important yeah. for us to feed the, uh, to, to feed that uh, spirituality. Yes, Ibrahim, as I said, uh, brilliant and your mashallah i can see that your focus your mizan is absolutely spot on you know your spirituality and you know what to do in your profession also so let's uh, get uh, you know talking about lots of people they uh, they need a knee transplant and uh, at some stage yes. what creates this need uh, ibrahim so okay good question because it goes back to what we were saying earlier with the equipment and the footwear and stuff like that so let's say an individual uh is 25 years old and has an injury now uh and they don't obviously rehab that injury obviously unconsciously to unload their joint they would try and and favor the joint and then dominate more on the one side so compensation happens and over a prolonged period you get musculoskeletal changes along with biomechanical changes so these abnormal biomechanics now going forward over the years causes the joints to become slightly osteoarthritic. And then because the knee is a hinge joint, that abnormal closing and opening causes the joint to wear and tear. So then the individual presents with a lot of pain. If it's too far gone, the cartilage is, is worn. They are warranted to do either a simple or complex knee replacement. So these knee replacements uh, in some cases are definitely needed and in some cases can be avoided to an extent with exercise. So exercise is a good option for people that are pre-knee replacement candidates so they can get prehab and then do the surgery and then get rehab after. 
why is it I'm thinking aloud here that uh, perhaps it's uh, more the Indian or the whites uh, that succumb to uh, knee problems than perhaps our African brothers and sisters? Am I correct, uh, correct in my assumptions? Uh, Defin- definitely. So research also shows that socioeconomic backgrounds play uh, a large role in in the warranting of knee replacement. So one, obviously, off the cuff excuse, not I wouldn't say excuse, a reasoning that I could come to a, a logical one would be the fact that the population that don't have a privilege of sort of having too many vehicles or maybe walking to and from places, your knees sort of would be a little bit more used to activity as opposed to those who are in more impact sports, uh, sports that require a lot of directional changes and stuff like that, you would be more susceptible. Obviously, it's not gender-specific. It's not race-specific. It's it's something, it's a, it's a problem that affects the entire population. So uh, I think it's one of those. You, you can't really avoid a knee injury your entire life. You probably would pick up a niggle here or there, but it's just how you deal with it would make a difference. You know, I tell you, Brian, I simply love walking. I love it. I just uh, look for any excuse to park the car and walk and walk and walk. And, uh, you yes. know, sometimes some, hey, but chef, you're walking like you're the king of the road. You know, the smooth, yes. cool walk. Can you need yes. to walk a little faster. But, you know, I had this habit from uh, from a very young age. And, I, you know, I, I told them, hey, just leave me at my pace. I know when to speed up. When yes. I'm late for things, then I'll speed it up. But I really enjoy my cool walk and some say, no, no, faster steps. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, so I think if you, depending on the, the mode of the activity that you're doing. So basically when you're looking at exercise, there's something called a foot principle. So frequency, intensity, type, and the sort of time that you're going to do the exercise. So this principle, basically, if you're looking at your walking, for example, you're going from your car to your office, that's basically an activity of your daily living, which you need to do in order to get to work. So your body would be used to that. So your pace that you would use would be comfortable enough for your heart to not be stressed out for you to sweat and huff and puff. So that's considered to be physical activity and not really exercise. The minute you start of uh, you start running from the from the car to the door and it tires you, then you can consider that to be exercise. So that differentiation first will will help people to understand what's the activity and what's the exercise, and then your pace that you consider. And if you're not huffing and puffing, you should be fine, and that's normal activity. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And uh, what about, you know, uh, I love uh, cleaning the coop in the morning, uh, you know, after yeah. Fajr Sasa. I do a breakfast show every morning and after the uh, program, okay. I'll go and clu- uh, clean the coop up and house it and then house the garden. And I do it at my leisure because, but it's still, it's uh, quite a bit of activities. You're scooping yeah. up uh, the food, you're scoop, uh, scooping up the dirt, you're hosing and you're cleaning and then you're raking yeah. and you're digging. Uh, okay. How's that exercise? I mean, uh, no panting whatsoever, but taking in that wholesome fresh air, uh, interacting with your roosters and your chicken. I mean, how yes. does that impact on our uh, physicality and uh, psychologically, Ibrahim? It definitely is a rewarding experience, uh, obviously, if you have a passion for it. And I think with the positions and stuff that you get into with the with the activity, it allows for your back to become a little bit more mobile. It allows for your hamstrings to stretch. So it's basically going beyond your normal activity. It's better than sitting on a couch uh, for a few hours. It's it's something that's getting you out there and moving. Uh, you know, earlier on we spoke about uh, massaging and using different gels and all. What yes. about using oils? You know, on 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 your toes and uh, some of them even put oil in the belly button or on your joints and all. Uh, do they really help, uh, Ibrahim? Definitely, they help depending on what oils uh, are being used. So I know a lot of research has been done on grapeseed oil for its anti-inflammatory properties. A lot of uh, research on castor oil a lot of research on different various ones that do show acute relief from injuries and obviously uh, chronic conditions. So it depends on what you're using, but if it's tried, tested and approved, then it should be fine for you to, to use them. Now tell me, you know, this is on a lighter note when you go to the barber shop and uh, you've yes. got your Pakistani barber, they say, hey, uh, Ibrahim, bye. Yes. You want some massage, and he, he says, I put oil and give nice massage. It actually hits your head out there, and then yeah. next moment, 
banging your so- shoulders. I mean, how beneficial are the massages uh, that we get from our uh, uh, from our hairdressers and our barbers, uh, Ibrahim? I think I think that one goes. Uh, it's a bit individualistic. So if it feels good, then I think enjoy the feeling and, and <laughs> enjoy it. But uh, obviously, if if you feel a bit uh, that is not going to benefit you or he's going to hurt you or something, then I think maybe best tell him to you know hold back slightly. But if it feels good, I think go with it. Yeah, I talked to them before and I said, hey, listen. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh, don't try your karate chops and all on me. Uh, leave it. You know, I know how to massage my hair and all. So, you know, but uh, we'll do it. Shafat, bye. We'll, I said, no, no. Just <laughs> leave it. Leave me alone. I know what I want. Well, Ibrahim, I'm really having a fantastic conversation with you on the platforms of Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Al-Sunnah or Jama'a. Really enjoying a fascinating conversation with uh, Ibrahim Mir, who's a biokineticist, a young man who really resonates positively with me and also on the platform. Yes, Ibrahim, you know, we were talking about uh, many issues and perhaps, uh, you know, why do most patients regret having the knee replacement operation? Most of them, not all of them. Uh, You know, your thoughts? Yeah. So I don't know the specifics of how many people regret it, but the people that I have seen who did say that they regretted it, um, a lot of them basically said that the sort of education, I think pre and post was not the best in some cases. Then a lot of them, obviously, I think first it's a lack of education on on patients part where they just go and, and jump to surgery before trying any conservative methods. And uh, the the healing is, is not linear after any injury. So a lot of them don't have that psychological mindset to go through the entire rehab process. Because remember, post-knee rehab surgery is complex. And credit to surgeons as well for doing the surgeries and making it successful. But at the same time, it requires patient compliance. So in some cases, patients are to blame where rehab was intermittent or you could understand that maybe finances were not in order and the rehab was was sort of interrupted. But those who also have done a lot of rehab also come back and say that they regret doing it, mainly because of the loss of range of motion in some cases. Maybe they can't do a particular task that they could do before. So it just depends. It's individualistic. But a lot of the time, it's it's not major, major things. They could still walk and they could still climb stairs. But in it's just the pain and stuff afterwards. Well, I'll tell you, there's history being made there, people. You heard Ibrahim's. Uh, was that your lighty or was it your daughter that made that? Hey, Dada. Who was it? Yes, my, my daughter ran past. <laughs> she loves you, hey? Your daddy's girl. Mashallah. <laughs> Beautiful. I like that. I mean, this is live radio people and Alhamdulillah Ibrahim <laughs> uh, with his uh, beautiful kids there. And uh, tell us uh, what the operation uh, actually involves, Ibrahim. So this was, it depends uh, again on the degree of damage, but usually from my knowledge, what orthopedic surgeons do is the, the joint is actually replaced. So the bones actually grafted and reshaped and sort of molded to fit the new pieces in. So some, uh, I think, 3D molded some uh, different material. They made them from different materials. Uh, so it just depends on which surgeon does your replacement and what sort of materials and methods he opts to use. So again, yeah, I hope that answers it. Yeah, there's a question from Marcy, and she says, you know, yes. uh, as, a, uh, as, as a senior, she loves uh, rubbing her knees with castor oil for relief. And I think we touched on oils before, but uh, what would you tell Marcy that she's rubbing castor oil for relief uh, and healing? Perhaps you can uh, give Marcy some solace or comment. Okay, so for Marcy, if if she has pain in her knees, obviously find out first, maybe try and get a diagnosis uh, as to why it's paining. If she has a diagnosis already and she's applying the castor oil and it's giving a relief that's good because research shows that castor oil has an ingredient called ricin. Uh, Ricin acts as an anti-inflammatory, so for arthritic conditions or myalgias and stuff like that and and muscle spasms, the castor oil actually helps to ease the inflammation and ease the pain. So it's a good thing. She should maybe carry on if it's working for her. Hello. Hey, I did the. I committed the cardinal sin there. You know what yes. I did? 
I forgot to unmute. And uh, this is generally what happens uh, sometimes when you get uh, uh, involved and you don't uh, you look at those uh, technology in front of you. And yeah, as as they just talk about Marcy, uh, you know, rubbing castor oil, and uh, you know, uh, we we look at uh, acupressure. Uh, pressure. What role can acupressure uh, play for people who need uh, uh, knee pain, uh, Ibrahim? So acupressure can be beneficial for people with knee pain, depending on what area is being worked on. So remember, when you have postures and and stuff that are being changed over the years because of injury or because of a condition that you might have, you might have changes happening that are not only at the knee. So you'll get changes at the lower back. You get changes at the hip. So uh, the knee pain could it, it could be presenting at your knee, but it also could be stemming from malalignment at your hips. So if you sort of do acupressure on certain spots on the hips, depending on what techniques again and which principles you're using, you could actually work to lower uh, the hip angle. You could manipulate the knee angles via the different points. Uh, so there's a whole host of things that could be done, but. I feel like if you are trying to fix a problem conservatively, acupressure is, it should be a, a good non-invasive way for you to treat the pain. Yeah, and the Chinese, uh, what do they use, those needles? You know, what I don't know what they call that, but they end up poke those needles in you. Uh, how effective are those uh, different types of uh, treatment? So there's different, obviously Chinese uh, would use their principles based on Chinese medicine and Chinese meridians and stuff like that. So they have merit to their studies that show that uh, dry needling and acupuncture and stuff help with muscle spasms and help to release tight muscles uh, without actually having to do surgical releases or having to do surgeries or other procedures. So uh, each domain sort of has its own uh, merit and I think acupuncture is an old traditional uh, way of doing uh, muscle release so it has merit and I think if you're going to someone who's skilled and knows exactly what they're doing then you should be fine yeah there's it it came Ibrahim said it acupuncture hey they put that needle and say you're feeling pain no no pain and nowhere to put the needle and alhamdulillah you find you find a lot of people now you know alhamdulillah they're doing uh, what they call this uh, cupping and uh, they, you, you find that the specialists say uh, they uh, there's a doctor uh, imran kika who's the head of the yeah. homeopathy and all that he says you must go to a professional registered cupper and how important yeah. is that you know do people come to you and they say you know ibrahim I did this. I tried to get rid of my yes. of my knee pain, but I went for cupping, and it's not helping. How do you advise then, Ibrahim? So the thing is, it's just a personal reservation of mine that I grew up uh, without a medical aid. So the only access that I had to sort of getting pain relief uh, quick and fast was to do cupping, and not only that is because it's a sunnah, and my reservation on it is. Whether they tell me they felt good or they didn't feel good because it's a sunnah, I hold firm to cupping. So I strongly support it. And I feel like people should, if they have issues, cupping can be done in a safe way. Like you're saying with a trained professional that can also do it on sunnah days and the benefit will be great. Well, there's a sunnah compliant uh, young man. Yeah, our biokineticist is Sunna compliant. And remember, his name is Ibrahim Amir. Now, Ibrahim, how will a biokineticist uh, uh, deal with knee pain? How would you deal with it? So, so basically, if an individual presents with knee pain at our practice, we I'll do a full assessment on the knee and look at the biomechanics and the contributing factors, the medical history behind how we ended up at this point. And then we would work with the muscles or so look at the, at the leg itself and see where the muscles are sort of weakened, where the muscles have wasted. And then we'll try and build back the stabilizing muscles along with all the other components of fitness. So the flexibility, the core strength, the, the balance, proprioception, uh, the agility, the speed. There's a whole host of things that we could cover. And once we do the rehab and they actually put in the physical exercise, that strength gain that they get from the rehab would actually take pressure off the joint. So if anything, the only outcome you could get from strengthening and doing rehab of your knee is a stronger, well-supported limb. Well said there. And, uh, you know, how can a um, 
a biokineticist to help someone who had a, a knee op, but still they have a, 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 a niggling pain, Ibrahim? Um, they could see, so remember if you're still in the initial phases post-surgery uh, within the first few weeks or months, uh, and you still have swelling and pain, consulting a physiotherapist wouldn't be a bad option. And then seeing a bio, once you've done with the physio and you've been granted uh, sort of the next level, you go to a bio and then we would do final phase strengthening. Or alternatively, they could do strengthening of the supporting stabilizers and we could treat the condition anyways and fix it. Yes, and also looking at a messenger from Mehroon from Santon and she says, Asalaamu Alaikum and Jazakallah for my program. Yeah, they love the program. I'm a knee patient. I'm afraid of the replacement operation. What can you do for me? I'm 75. Battle to walk, Ibrahim. Uh, so, Alhamdulillah, for the fact that she's still walking, so it tells me that she's still mobile. Uh, the fact uh, is mobility is key. So keep moving and don't stop. But at the same time, do some basic strengthening and core stability work. So if she would maybe send in an email to, to us, I can maybe get the practice to send her something, inshallah, and we can help. Inshallah, at the end of the program, you could uh, give out your email address, inshallah. Uh, Mr. Is- Is- uh, Isaac, uh, Isa, he says, Assalamu alaikum, brothers. Uh, good to hear Ibrahim Mir again. Yeah, I'm enjoying him too. I want a, bi- a biokinesist uh, interpretation of what tennis elbow is and his, uh, and, uh, you know, how will you treat a tennis elbow, Ibrahim? Uh, so tennis elbow is a very common injury, obviously, because of the the movement of the, the hinge itself. So with the repetitive movement, the, the lateral side or the, the outside part of your elbow becomes slightly inflamed or irritated because the tendon keeps rubbing over the condyle. Uh, in instances where the inflammation is too much, a GP could give a, a patient an, a cortisone shot or an anti-inflammatory to bring down the pain. And then as they're progressing, Along the rehab, uh, they could see a biokinesis for strengthening of the forearm and uh, obviously mobility. And we can work around the tendons to sort of free up the joint. Uh, this helps greatly with the, with the lateral epicondylitis or the tennis elbow that the patient would be experiencing. So taking up rehab and also there's research shown for kinesiotaping. So kinesiotaping would also help to ease tension and stress on the muscles that are affected and sort of fix the biomechanics or the movement patterns that are needed to avoid the pain. Now, Ibrahim, why they call it a tennis elbow? Sometimes I, I, I never heard about a cricketer's back. But tell me, so, why, they call, why do they call it tennis elbow? So they call it tennis elbow is because it's very common in, in tennis and with people who specialize a lot in the forehand and that sort of pronation, supination movement of the hand. So. In, so turning your hand inward, turning your hand outward along with that flexion extension of your elbow. So that repetitive movement and the gripping of your of your racket causes that muscle to become overactive and mm. then the bulging of the muscle sort of irritates that condyle. Uh, the opposite to tennis elbow, which is medial epicondylitis, is something called golfer's elbow. And then golfer's elbow is basically because of the golf swing and the same movement, but in the opposite direction. So they get the same injury, but on the opposite side. Now, 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 now you're talking, you're talking my language. And what about the squash player? Mostly it is that uh, wrist going. Talk to me about that. Could it? So the wrist movements a lot with the, with the gripping is decravians, tino, synovitis, which is quite common. Um, if you can recall when the world was taken by Blackberry, uh, when the Blackberry came out because the, 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 the population were not used to holding an object in their hand that was oddly shaped and it had a full QWERTY keyboard on it. So you would use your thumb constantly. So people were developing pain along the, along the wrist and arm and forearm. And turns out they named it uh, a nickname, Blackberry Thumb for Decravian Stenosynovitis. Yeah, the thumbs moving all all the time and on those apps. So even you get these joysticks and you know the Xboxes, kids are the lighties, uh, thumbs. I mean, I, I don't I don't know whether they'll have fingers uh, that will be in top condition or maybe arthritis there too. Uh, but as you said, you know you you made. What about the uh, you know the eyes uh, being strained? You know uh, the eye muscles. Um, you as a biokineticist, how do you yes. advise there? 
So I had a I had a, a discussion with a patient of mine a long time ago who was optometrist, and I myself didn't even know that there is eye rehab. I've never done it before, but eye rehabilitation, so certain optometrists actually do it, and they could use particular techniques of sight uh, and looking to certain directions and and certain movements to actually train your eyesight. So you can train yourself to getting back to wearing no glasses. I didn't know it was a thing until I had wow. the discussion. So yeah, it's something you learn every day, and I think that is useful information for people who are willing to want to try and help, like you're saying, the eyes by an, a conservative way. So uh, something to look into. Yeah, I was uh, talking to Professor Nahib Dutoy. I mean, he's an ophthalmologist. and also lectures yeah. in the University of the Western Cape of Government and uh, you know he he uh, I forgot it is a very good question next time and I bring yes. him on that's a question yes. that I will definitely uh, uh, you know uh, field with him uh, Safwan Musa says assalamu alaikum shafaat and ibrahim hope you are good yeah, we are alhamdulillah wa alaikum salam how is our mufti sahab of markus convey salams to him uh, definitely I will do that what exercises can a biokinetist advise Uh, for my wife who has a postnatal depression ibrahim uh this is a very common condition uh and obviously if you want to work conservatively i think rehabilitation is a very very good option in the sense where like i was saying earlier uh cardiovascular work would help to fight depression and anxiety so be it postnatal be it post traumatic stress disorders what whatever sort of depression wherever it's stemming from it could be helped to an extent or actually cured not i wouldn't say cured completely but it could be helped a lot with exercise uh, there are there are cases where people actually don't take their meds completely and they are fine with exercise however it's obviously subject to consulting with your physician or your practitioner before you make any decisions to to get off any meds or anything of that sort but uh, it's a good option to do cardiovascular exercise along with Uh, generalized strengthening it will it will help a lot now ibrahim i'm sure you played uh, table tennis uh, did you play table tennis uh, a little bit okay a little bit now what happened my wife I... my wife played more than i did okay very played. good i mean i i played this at uh, at provincial level so so i know what i'm talking about when it comes to table tennis and what happens you know when you a feign a shot you know like you're going to smash and the opponent gets ready for a smasher but he just drops the ball over the net uh you know what does it do to an opponent's uh, opponent's uh, uh, muscular coordination can that cause some spasm or can it really cause some injury for the next person because you know it did that and they got ready and maybe they slipped or something uh, talk to me about that uh, you know the feigning injury do you, can you Uh, give an opposition a feigning injury with your action you know you you're a very good soccer right you dribble through you put the ball yeah. between the legs and you know the person suddenly loses coordination and gets injured talk yes. to me about that so remember when 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 you're playing a sport like table tennis or you're playing badminton or you're playing even football any sport you basically need balance and coordination and you need the agility so if you are like you're saying taken uh by surprise by an opponent and you lose balance yes you could get injured so that's what you see that's how injuries come along so in soccer for example someone who beats one player and the other guy can't make it in time to make a turn and he, his foot is planted and his knee twists that's basically almost a situation where you possibly going to get tearing of ligaments uh meniscal strains or tears and injuries that you didn't need before but it's not due to obviously undertraining or not being trained it's also the situation or the circumstance that you that you put in so i think individualistic again but yes it can cause injury you know ibrahim i played the soccer i played the number 9 and generally by the grace of allah is quite speedy i used to beat a lot yes. of them there i i used to hear the opposition say you see that over there chow him <laughs> chow him so i said oh, okay yes. they're going to chow me so i had this knack of you know running straight at them pushing the ball yeah. to the side and jumping over them so in the yeah. child they 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 hit the, uh, the uh, you know Grass they, 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 they actually they they, they bit the dust so yeah. i was very fortunate you know i've also seen uh, colleagues of yeah. mine or uh, fellow players yeah. legs being broken you know arms yeah. broken and you know the guys 
literally kicked them against the goal, uh, the, the 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 post, you know, and things like yeah. that. But we just carried on, and in in our days, you know, we are the yeah. hardy type, the tough. Even we played our cricket without those yeah. guards and all those things. But anyway, that's another story altogether. Now you need VAR. <laughs> Everything <laughs> is VAR and this and that. I'm killing the game, by the way. And also, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, you know, they are doing all that. Uh, Mariam Ben says, Assalamu alaikum from Springs. Jazakallah for interesting uh, program. Please refer to a biokinetist. And she says, I feel my thumb got cut and twisted. The cut is uh, headed and uh, thumb mobile and normal. But every once in a while, it stiffens up a bit and goes skew, but comes right. What's wrong and can you treat me? Uh, you know, Mariam Ben giving us a a, 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 a description I, that which I which think would... I got I got okay. Your go go for it, yeah, Ibrahim. <laughs> okay, so if she had trauma to your finger and it's sort of healing, remember it depends on how deep the cut was. So you get scar formation that obviously heals. If she had stitches, you obviously would get scar tissue anyway. So the scar tissue that forms usually when they close, it closes very tight. So it can restrict range of motion, especially of a, of a small digit. You can get restriction of motion by that, that scar tissue. So there's a lot of techniques you can use. You can do physiotherapy. You can do occupational therapy as well to try and get back the, the function of that finger. Uh, but with a multidisciplinary approach, you can achieve obviously a little bit better range of motion and decreased pain. Remember, if you're feeling, feeling pain and there's uh, discomfort, it's obviously telling you that it's not normal. So so try and, and do something about it. Alhamdulillah, beautiful indeed. Uh, Apa Foy says, Assalamu alaikum, Shafa'at and Ibrahim. So, mashallah, your program. Yes, sir, you must tell Ibrahim that. He's mashallah program. And it goes on to say, a long time ago, I feel, and a very heavy pot landed on my uh, on my ankle. I healed, but now 15 years later, I feel pain in same place. What it means? How can you treat me? Uh, interesting, Ibrahim. Interesting, very interesting. So I don't. So a lot of the patients when they say ankle and foot, it depends on where where about on the, the ankle. So the location of the ankle could be lateral, could be on the inside, could be on the outside. If it's towards the back, then you're looking at Achilles pathology or soleus muscle strains. There's different sort of areas as well. So maybe she can send us a more in-depth description. I'll be able to help her or she can mail us the question. Inshallah, you heard that Abba for Ibrahim says, if you mail that, he can uh, give you a detailed, uh, inshallah, uh, consultation on that. Hafiz Dawood says, Assalamu alaikum to all at Marcus. Uh, we enjoy the topics. If a biokineticist Ibrahim can please advise how updated and advanced are today's wheelchairs compared to like 30 years ago, Ibrahim? We, we've come a long, 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 long way with wheelchairs. So wheelchairs obviously started off uh, the normal, obviously the wheelchairs. Uh, now the wheelchairs have morphed, so you can get uh, a wheelchair from anywhere over a thousand rand to going up to 80, 90, 100,000 rand. So it just depends on what sort of wheelchair you're looking for. Uh, wheelchairs also now you can get standing ones that a patient could actually get into and, and stand up in a spot. So if you're paraplegic or if you're quadriplegic, you don't have to only be in a seated position. So they're helping hemodynamics and stuff like that. So blood flow, it, it helps you to stand. Uh, so that alone shows you that that the technology has gotten to a point where, alhamdulillah, it's, it's progress and it's beneficial to, to patients. So depending on the budget and uh, what's the need for the wheelchair, you, 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 you can spend any amount on it. So a lot of the sportsmen have specialized wheelchairs which they carry on and they, they take on tour with them as well when they're competing at, at a professional level. Those wheelchairs are usually made overseas and they can cost literally up to hundreds of thousands. Yeah, and you're looking at uh, them, uh, you have to recharge those batteries. Do they run on yeah. lithium batteries? And, you know, use, use the term morph. I mean, it's like uh, they've advanced, you know, and how will yes. AI, how will AI affect a wheelchair? Perhaps uh, the thought alone and the, the wheelchair will react to your thoughts. Then you're pressing buttons, uh, Ibrahim. Correct. You're probably looking at self, probably driving everything in the future. So I think that will probably be a thing as well self-driving wheelchairs. We, we, we love to see where we headed with, with that niche. 
Absolutely. And uh, the uh, battery life on a wheelchair, how long does uh, that last? So it depends on what what you're using. Uh, again, if you, you're buying sort of one that's not uh, a very well-known brand or it's not sort of tested by particular standards, those can go a day to if you depending on your usage as well. So remember, a, a patient who is quadriplegic or paraplegic is not really going to be standing for long periods of time because it's it's not the the most comfortable position in that standing wheelchair. Well, from the ones that I've worked with, but uh, usually they could the battery life would would be dependent just like a normal wheelchair. It's just how you how you care for it and how much of usage you get out of it. Now, Ibrahim Mir. I can see all the mirrors. Hey, they're happy. The others jumping. There's a Shokat mirror there, that other mirror guy there. I, I actually play table tennis with the Shokat mirror, Solly mirror okay. son. I don't know. Related? Definitely. We are related. Definitely. My dad's yeah. cousin. Oh, yeah. not, what a small world. What a small. Hey, Shokat, shooting with your cousin here. So, Alhamdulillah, I tell you, brilliant evening with you. Perhaps uh, your, uh, your, your parting words? Um, Jazakallah for having me on the show. I absolutely enjoyed it. And Jazakallah for your listenership, for always supporting the slot whenever I'm, I'm on. And I just want to tell all your listeners, please get out there and start doing a little bit of exercise, especially with all the ongoing unrest that we have, uh, with all the, the unrest from not only the rioting, but the, the pandemic itself and everything that's happening in the world. It's not the best two years, but Alhamdulillah, it's looking good in the future. So just put in the effort and inshallah, they should get the reward. But I look forward to being on again with you, inshallah. Inshallah, definitely. And give uh, them your, you know, your uh, uh, promise, Masi and uh, uh, Zubi for you, et cetera, the, your email address and your contact details. Give okay. it to them. So they, they could, they could if they could on maybe Monday, call in uh, the practice. It, the number is 031-492-3475. And on Instagram, you could find our page with a lot of information on there. It's at Ibrahim underscore Mir underscore Biokinesis. So Ibrahim uh, underscore Mir underscore Biokinesis on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Jazakallah khair, Ibrahim Mir. Really enjoyed you. Allah keep you blessed now and forever. Inshallah, as you said, we'll talk to you in the near future. Listeners, it's time for us to go for the Isha Azan. And before we do that, Ibrahim, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.